0: This is Cruise Radio.
1: Now, more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com.
0: Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio.
1: Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. Coming up on this week's show, a review of Carnival's brand new ship, well, a couple of months old now, Mardi Gras, a West. Western Caribbean 7-night cruise from Central Florida. Staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. And as always, our Cruise Radio news briefs every Monday through Friday at the channel just opposite of this or on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right, straight to Cruise News. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. How are you? Good. So the CDC made an extension and some minor changes to the conditional sailing order.
2: Yeah,
0: I think what's most interesting about this is it's the first time we're really getting a glimpse of what the COVID situation is on ships. The CDC, as part of this report, we found out there were six outbreaks of COVID that they considered large. Most of them weren't really that big. They were like, you know, 10 cases here, 10 cases there. There were six ships in particular. They labeled them, you know, cruise ship A, cruise ship B. The one that sort of the most focus seemed to be on was cruise ship F. Now, we don't know which lines they were, although you can do some guessing because, you know, they talked about what the percentage of passenger and crew that were vaccinated on them were, things like that. But cruise ship F, between August 21st and September 7th, that ship in particular reported a total of 112 laboratory-confirmed COVID-19 cases among passengers and crew, across four cruises. So, you know, while 112 sounds like a lot when you divide it up by four, it's not really that big. But the one thing that is kind of interesting about this is they apparently now know that the passenger who would be sort of passenger zero in this case, denied having symptoms when he boarded the ship, but was actually symptomatic. So they lied when they were coming on board, which, you know, we've talked about that before, how easy it is to just lie. Even on the old health forms, pre-COVID, when they were like, you know, have you have you had diarrhea in the last three days? Who's going to check yes if they know that it could impact their vacation? You would like to think that in the age of COVID, people take it a little more seriously, but this person did apparently, you know, lie about their situation as they came on board. It's worth noting, this is also the only case where we know of that someone has died as a result of COVID, you know, that is connected to a ship. Obviously that was a big concern, you know, last year, but now most of the cases have been very mild. They've done contact tracing. There hasn't been a big deal, but this one person did apparently um, die on cruise ship F or not on the ship, but after they got off, Uh, the other changes were kind of, nothing huge. For example, marketing can now be warning free. Up until now, the the cruise lines have had to sort of include as part of their marketing information about, you know, what the CDC rulings are regarding COVID. So they've had to say, you know, the, the CDC recommends that you perhaps not cruise right now. They no longer will have to do that. I guess they figure at this point, people know COVID is out there and that the lines can now focus on their safety records which they have sort of proven over the last couple of months longer sailings are now allowed so they can now do seven nights and longer. Obviously, the cruise lines sort of assumed this was coming because, you know, you've been able to book longer cruises for a while. They just weren't until 2022 or 2023. You know, Royal Caribbean last week rolling out the 274-night cruise, which, if you do the math, is a little bit longer than seven nights. So they've known that this was coming or assumed that it was coming. That's a very good thing. The other thing that's a little interesting to me is that for the first time, they've outlined a process for cruise ships that are sailing, quote unquote, fully vaccinated, meaning they did not do the simulated voyages, which were required for ships that weren't sailing fully vaccinated. But they're going to be able to transition to having fewer vaccinated passengers. I didn't really understand the numbers as of yet, you know, like what percentage of of passengers they'll be allowed to have on. I'm going to be following this one Closely, honestly, because I kind of like the fact that right now, whether, you know, Norwegian is sailing 100% vaccinated, Carnival's sailing pretty, you know, it's not 100%, but it's pretty close to 100%. I'll be very interested to follow this moving forward to see what numbers they end up on. The thing to remember here is that with a lot of the CDC stuff, it is recommendations, not requirements. So especially in Florida with the whole lawsuit that went on between um, the cruise lines and Ron DeSantis. Uh, So it'll be really something to keep an eye on in the coming weeks and months, how this plays out and what the numbers shift down into.
1: Yeah, and also I believe Carnival Horizon has been sailing alternating six- and eight-night cruises since they – rebooted. And I think that is because of the uh, Florida laws being non-binding, meaning they didn't have to actually abide by that rule exactly. Just kind of Florida's voluntarily doing it at this point. Am I correct saying that?
0: I believe that's correct. And that is the thing, you know, where Florida is concerned, the cruise lines are basically saying, yeah, we get that Ron DeSantis and his government are trying to um, help us by by getting us out of the CDC you know, restrictions. But we actually think the CDC restrictions are a good idea. So we're going to follow them for the most part. But we are considering them not requirements, recommendations. So that's sort of given them a little leeway to get around some of that stuff. We're going to
1: follow it until we want to take an eight night cruise. (laughs) Then we're going to (laughs) kind of, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So let's see here. Uh, And speaking of carnival, Mardi Gras was
0: recently christened. Yes. Uh, You know, some people were a little confused by this because the ship has been sailing since the end of July, so they're like, wait a minute, is this a different Mardi Gras being christened? But no, this is just sort of the first opportunity that everything lined up and they were able to do it. Uh, It was a big ceremony held on board the ship with all the bells and whistles. Miss Universe, Dominican Republic, that's Kimberly Jimenez, she serves as the godmother, so she did the honors and oversaw the whole thing. There were also sort of all of the carnival celebrities there, you know, Emerald Legasi and uh, the chief fun officer Shaquille O'Neal were all there. They did it in the ship's theater, which surprised me a little bit because I sort of assumed that they would do it in that gorgeous atrium, you know, and show it off. But And maybe you know why, but for some reason they decided to do it in the theater instead, It was a big deal, really, because this is the first time, you know, we're talking a lot about firsts over the last couple months. This was the first time uh, since the industry restarted that we've had a christening ceremony for a ship. So, yay, another good first.
1: Yeah, I believe it was actually held in the Mardi Gras Theater because it was a turn day. So you know, you embark Mardi Gras right there at the in the Grand Central area. It would probably uh, be a little disturbing with people, you know, embarking the ship and ready to have their vacation, and them trying to conduct a christening ceremony right next to it.
0: See, Doug, this is why people come to you for answers because you've got them.
1: Well, sometimes. And uh, Carnival <laughs> Radiance is in route. Well, actually, uh, well, it's in route to North America. It actually is in North America as of Wednesday morning, but uh, gearing up. For for those
0: West Coast sailings. Yep. Construction wrapped on the shipyard in Cadiz, Spain, earlier this month. And, you know, this is a ship that's seen some delays because of the, you know, because of COVID largely. It's a pe- impacted the shipyards and their deadlines, but finally, 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 it's done. The ship can start staffing now, and the crew will go into a 14 day quarantine before it heads to Long Beach. It'll go through the Panama Canal to get to Long Beach, which will be kind of cool for the uh, crew on board, I would imagine. You know, there's still a few steps to go through through before she starts welcoming guests back, but she should do that if everything goes as planned by mid-December. Radiance, you'll remember, was formerly the victory. And, you know, the reason that this has taken so long is she went through a huge dry dock. This was a $200 million renovation, very, very similar to what Carnival did when they took Carnival Triumph and morphed it into the Sunrise. And, you know, we actually were on Sunrise shortly after she uh, went through that transformation and it was a gorgeous ship. It felt new, um, even though these are older ships that are being transformed via these very, very expensive procedures. It felt like a new ship. It had all the bells and whistles that you expect from a Carnival Fun ship, which, you know, the older version didn't have. So this will be the third in the class because Sunrise and Radiance will join the original Sunshine.
1: All right, now you have to get out there to the West Coast because you've done Sunshine, you've done Sunrise, and now you gotta do Radiance.
0: You're right. All right, moving away from Carnival, we go to Virgin. One of their ships responded to a distressed craft off the coast of Florida. Scarlet Lady hasn't even been sailing all that long, but she's already gotten to play the role of hero, or I guess it would be heroine. She came to the rescue of a small boat that was in distress on Monday morning while cruising in the Florida Straits. Now, for people like me who didn't know what the Florida Straits were until they read this story, that is actually between the Florida Keys and Cuba. So there were eight people stranded. They brought them on board. One of them needed medical attention, so they were taken to the the ship's center for treatment. And then the Scarlet Lady met up with a Coast Guard cutter and transferred the eight people to that ship before they went on. Now the reason this happens and that we get to report about it every now and then is there is something called the, in the international maritime law that reads sort of like the golden rule, you know. So the golden rule is to do do unto others as you would have done unto you. In this case, the maritime law says that the captain of a vessel has a moral obligation to render assistance to those in distress at sea without regard to their nationality, status, or the circumstances in which they are found. So in other words, no matter who those people are no matter what they're doing you know they could be drug runners for all they know but the ship is in distress they need to go and they need to help them that is their moral imperative it's you know one of the very very good things that we always enjoy reporting when a ship is able to sort of lend assistance like that
1: and an iconic cruise
0: ship has turned into the world's largest floating nightclub i'm not even gonna lie i don't know how to feel about this one so you know The Queen Elizabeth II was launched by Queen Elizabeth herself in 1969. This is like one of the classiest old-school ocean liners. Um, You know, it's played host to very, very high-end celebrities, you know, like Nelson Mandela, Buzz Aldrin, people like that. But the ship is now sort of at rest as a dockside hotel in Port Rashid, Dubai. Now, I I admit I've always wanted to go to Dubai. That just seems like a very, very, very cool place to visit. But They are now using it as not only a hotel, but as the world's largest floating nightclub. They do it on the top deck, and it's called... Float Dubai. It's an outdoor club. They have a capacity of about a thousand people. There's a lounge on the deck below. And as I was reading this, all I could think was, you know what this sounds a lot like? This sounds like when you're on, um, you know, Carnival and they have a deck party, or you're on um, a Norwegian ship and they have the glow party. It's like, okay, so you've basically just, (laughs) you're just doing a deck party. It's nothing fancy, but it's in Dubai. And it's kind of a cool thing that you can go to this ship that was such a big part of history and have a fun night at their nightclub. I expect it's very expensive, however.
1: All right. Listener question, email yours to Doug at cruiseradio.net. Matt has today's question. He said, I read in one of your articles that on Mardi Gras, you can use the Hub app to order food and have it delivered anywhere on the ship. I always get hungry halfway through the production shows. Can I have a snack delivered to the Mardi Gras theater?
0: (laughs) No, Matt, I'm afraid you can't. You better stuff something in your pockets. That's actually a great question. (laughs) I personally, I can't wait, you know, I'm doing Mardi Gras in December and I can't wait to be sitting somewhere and have food delivered to me. But there are two places that you cannot be and have food delivered to you. One is the theater, which, you know, that would be kind of distracting to the people on stage and the people around you to have, you know, somebody, you know, what if you're seated all the way on the inside seat? You know, everybody's passing down your pizza. Are you going to let them all have a slice? Because otherwise it's a little rude uh the other place that you cannot have food delivered is the spa which you know makes sense i know you doug love the thermal spa and those Mm -hmm. those uh cement what are they they're not cement uh the tile yeah, I love those heated recliners. Yeah. Can you imagine being hanging out there? You're, you're kind of zenned out in the spa on your little recliner, getting your your body heated up. And all of a sudden, the person next to you is like munching down on chicken wings they ordered from guys or something like that. Dude, I wouldn't so, care,
1: man. I mean, I, I'm on vacation. I If you want to just go to town on e- eating a pizza, burger in the thermal spa, hell, if you want to sit on the edge of the mineral pool with your feet in the water eating a slice of pizza, you wouldn't bother me.
0: You wouldn't bother you, but you know that there's going to be a blue hair who is not having any of it, <laughs> She is not having any of it. And she is going to be reporting your butt. So, you know, I kind of understand. And, and I like that there are a couple places that we still have sort of the equivalent of a do not disturb sign. I mean, you know, you go to the spa for rest and relaxation and you go to the theater. I know, you know, I used to go to a lot of theater in New York City and, and I always hated when either somebody was, you know, munching out during the show or talking like, I did not pay all this money to sit here and listen to your conversation. I'd rather hear what's going on on the stage. So it's nice that we have these two spots. And, you know, there are plenty of other places that you can have your pizza delivered to if you feel like it. There
1: you go. Been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Richard, thank you so much.
0: Always glad to, Doug. Have a question for the experts? Or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience? Good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. A big question we
1: get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip.
0: you have questions we have answers get the whole story on cruiseradio.net
1: alfred and his wife just returned from a seven night cruise aboard carnival cruise line's newest ship mardi gras and he joins us on the line how you doing alfred I'm good, Doug. How you doing? Good to hear your voice again. It's been about uh, two years or so since we last spoke. Uh, I'm excited to talk all about the Mardi Gras and see what you think, since it's been in service for about a month and a half now. So before we jump to the ship, we'll take a couple of steps back. What made you want to take this
2: seven-night cruise on Mardi Gras out of Port Canaveral? Well, before the shutdown, we had a family cruise on the horizon for an eight-night Southern Caribbean. And then, of course, the shutdown that got canceled and then... My travel agent, Sharon at Sea Travel, has her YouTube channel, so they kept on announcing group cruises. So we just kept on rebooking with her, and then finally she rescheduled it for September 4th through the 11th, so my wife and I decided to just stay in that group cruise and take the cruise then.
1: Did you do any pre-cruise time in Port Canaveral before the sailing? The day before,
2: we flew down from North Carolina to Port Canaveral and met most of the people in, in the group cruise.
1: I've never done a group cruise before, so is there like a like kind of a meet the group, a meet and mingle, or dinner, or like a happy hour before the cruise actually
2: departs? Yeah, we stayed at the New Hampton in Port Canaveral, where they had like a little fire pit area and a swimming pool, open bar area on the patio. So we just pretty much all hung out there that, that evening and had drinks and socialized and get to know each other.
1: So you make your way to Carnival Mardi Gras to embark the cruise ship at Terminal 3. Now, I want to set this up here. So, Alfred, you're legally blind and your wife is actually blind. So I I just want to, throughout the interview, want to ask you a couple of questions because we do get these questions about kind of the process with um, special service needs and, you know, help around the ship if you needed that. So you make your way to the cruise terminal. How was embarkation for you and how did it differ between this time and last
2: time you cruised? We uh – filled out the special needs form that's on carnival.com and if you have a travel agent your travel agent can help you fill it out and when it came to the disabilities we selected blind which opened them to offer us the uh, embarkation day tour assistance getting on and off the ship while while at port canaveral braille or electronic menus And then Braille, of course, in the public areas and large print fun times and stuff that make it more accessible for us. And of course, if we needed assistance when we were on the ship, we could go just to guest services and they were pretty much accommodating to um, give us that guidance or guide us to where we needed to go.
1: What was your first impression once you made your way on the ship? I mean, because this ship is such a departure from normal Carnival ships where you board and there's just big atrium and atrium bar where this one's completely different.
2: It was amazing. And because also the special needs request. They had someone right at Brooks and Canaveral go through the embarkation area with us when they checked our vaccine cards, passports. All of that stuff, security, and then that person pretty much got the clearance to walk us all the way to guest services. And then from there, the guest services did the um, embarkation day tour of the ship with us.
1: Okay. Okay. Very cool and I was it I'm just curious because I know my first impressions of the ship, but I'm curious what yours was like when you were walking and doing the tour with this um, member of the guest services, was it overwhelming or anything because of how large the ship is and all the different
2: zones on board? it kind of was gonna like I right, explain this to me before we can get our bearings so if we know mm-hmm. if we end up in this area of the ship we kind of have an idea of where to go because right. you're right there you get on. Deck 6, and Grand Central's, boom, right there on top of you. Yeah, for sure. So
1: you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book for this seven-night cruise, and how was it? What
2: would you think of it? It was awesome. We actually got some upgraded credits into an ocean suite. So we were in a cabin 9464, which was an ocean suite.
1: Nice. So Carnival's ocean suites are balconies, correct? Yes. Now, is there ocean – I'm just trying to think here. The ocean suites on Mardi Gras, is that kind of the the longer cabin that has the curtain in it and the couch and everything?
2: Yes, it's the suites right below the um, XL suites. Okay, gotcha. But it was still in the suite class.
1: Okay. And as far as, like, space and the new carnival layout, of course, we have the the glass shower enclosure instead of the curtain now – what do you think of the new Carnival State Rooms? What did you do last time when we spoke? Carnival Glory, was it? Glory was my first ever cruise, and then the
2: second cruise was the MSC seaside.
1: That's right, yeah. So, what do you think of the state rooms on here against those other two
2: ships? It seemed to be a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. but maybe like lengthwise, but yeah. not like the width wise. But yes. it still had a lot of space just for my wife and I, and larger bathroom, l- larger area, like you were saying, the couch and the yeah. balcony.
1: You mentioned this was originally a family cruise and you had to leave the two little ones back in North Carolina because of vaccine requirements. Were they pretty bummed
2: that you had to leave them back home? Yes, because my 10-year-old son was interested in the Mardi Gras because of the roller coaster.
1: Oh, hopefully they'll be able to cruise soon enough. So many dining options on board Mardi Gras. Let's talk about the dining experience you had over your week-long cruise. And we'll start up at the top at the Lido Marketplace Buffet. How was it up there?
2: It was great. I mean, they had a lot of the food options that you normally would see in the buffet. With us having the special needs, we could just easily ask one of the waiters or waitresses that was working in the buffet area to actually help us get our food. This way we wouldn't accidentally cross-contaminate
1: any of the food. Were you happy with the selections and offerings on board?
2: Oh yeah, because Those waiters or waitresses would go above and beyond and go to, like, Big Chicken or Guy's Burger or Blue Iguana if there was nothing in the buffet that we didn't want.
1: Yeah, let's talk about Big Chicken. This is a new-to-carnival concept. Of course, Guy Fieri's burger joint has been around for about—actually, this month is 10 years. Um, What did you think about Big Chicken and Shaq's new place back there on the aft end?
2: I loved it. You try different— chicken sandwiches and get it almost customized to what you like in a chicken sandwich. Which one was your favorite? The one that was the most
1: hot and spiciest. Yeah. Like that Nashville hot chicken one? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the exact name. I just said, give me the hottest chicken sandwich you got. Yeah. I think it was called Uncle Jerome's, I think, or something like that. It was uh, on the menu there. Actually, I went to the uh, Big Chicken in Vegas and the meal cost the same thing for just a burger, a drink, and fries—twenty-two dollars in Vegas. So the cruise was a lot better. Uh, well, I, well, better quality for sure. But uh, I guess it all—it's uh, all relative once you figure out you paid, you know, close to three thousand dollars for the cruise there. But uh, so let's talk about other places to eat around the ship. And uh, at, let's see—you have the poolside eatery. So you have Guys Burger Joint up on Seventeen and Sixteen. You have the Blue
2: Iguana Cantina. Either of those? Yeah, I did the um, Guys Burger. We just ran out of time to actually try Blue iguanas this time Yeah, because of all the other food options. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem.
1: There's also a new specialty restaurant on board called Rudy's Sea Grill. It's a kind of a seafood restaurant located there
2: on Deck 8, I believe. How was your experience at Rudy's? It actually was great. I'm the one that doesn't eat seafood because I have a food allergy to seafood. But I had their steak one night, and then the other night I had their chicken dish. And my wife was just able to sample all of the different seafood options that they had on the menu.
1: You mentioned you went there twice then. So it was so good you went back, even though you're not a seafood person? We actually
2: met a friend in the, in the group mm-hmm. that loved being in the casino. And the casino host offered us, the three of us, a free meal in one of the specialty restaurants. Nice. So, of course, we took the free meal that they were offering us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you stop by and uh, get yourself some pizza during the cruise?
2: Yes, that was pretty much your only option after midnight. Yeah,
1: because that Panini place right next door closes at 11, I believe. So, yeah, you only the have... App the
2: app says it closes at 11, but they actually close around 10.
1: Ah, all right. Got the inside track there. And how about the main dining room? Of course, there's two dining rooms on board. There's the Palms Restaurant and the Flamingo.
2: Uh, which one were you in, and uh, what would you think of it? We had the 6 p.m. dining, so we had the early dining. So that was the uh, deck 6 in the aft. those palms. Yeah. Um, No, the staff, Glenn, and all the other waiters were excellent. The maitre d' was um, Stefan, and he was excellent because he actually helped us get a reservation for Rudy's one night and got us a table at Cachino's earlier than 7.30, because if you have early dining, you can't really go to Cachino or Rudy's until after 7.30, but since he was the man in charge, he made things happen. There you go. Yeah, sometimes it
1: pays to have that conversation with the major D, for sure. Now, there's um, also a new restaurant here called Chebang, which is kind of an Asian-slash-Mexican fusion-type restaurant, if I'm
2: uh, kind of describing that correctly. What did you think of that one? That was definitely interesting, because you can go all-Mexican, you can go mm-hmm. all-Asian, or you can have a Mexican appetizer and an Asian entree. It's totally what you want to try or experience. What did you go with? I had a Mexican appetizer, no, one was an Asian appetizer and then a Mexican um entree was a ranchero steak. Okay. Cuz nice. Patrick Duffy from the Piano Bar recommended that to me.
1: Very cool. And of course, Chebang uh, and also Cucina and guys Smokehouse, they're all for, for the foreseeable future announced this week are going to be complimentary um past the inaugural season so hopefully that'll uh, stay being complimentary because uh they could easily put a surcharge on that one too like they do it on uh, on Gigi's kitchen on the other ships
2: yeah actually i think once they get back to full capacity that's a good idea because you can spread out people mm-hmm. instead of having everyone crammed in the dining rooms for their set seating or anytime dining
1: let me ask you this, because on my sailing, it was the very first night of the cruise. It was kind of a hot mess with everyone trying to pile into the dining room because no one knew that they can go to Cucina uh, for free or the Smokehouse for free or Chebang. So there was like this really long line getting into both dining rooms. Does Carnival have that ironed out now, or was it still like that on the first night of your cruise? No, we
2: went right into the dining room right a few minutes before six. And they got our head waiter, Glenn, and they showed us our table. But since we were in the group, Stefan already set aside a group of tables mm-hmm. for our group to sit at. So, Gotcha.
1: That was probably like chocolate up to growing pains, too, because I was on the very first sailing. And by the time you got on it, the ship was already in service for over a month. So that's uh, yeah. probably why— It was kind of a mess on my first night there. Let's talk about entertainment. What did you think of the entertainment? Because there's a lot of that as well. I mean, you have the Grand Central, the Atrium Entertainment, plus you have the Mardi Gras
2: Theater, and of course you just had the Piano Bar. It was great because all of the entertainers when I was on board seemed to be like friends of each other. So they would intermingle. So the backyard band that would be in the smokehouse would intermingle with the jazz band and brass magnolias or if they're on a break in their set, they might show up in the piano bar, and it just made it very interactive, because even the guitar player, Travis, would pop into the piano bar or with the jazz band or with Backyard Band in the Smokehouse.
1: Yeah. I don't know how much you actually listen to the, the band playing at the Smokehouse, but that was probably one of the best bands and tightest bands I've ever heard on any cruise ship in the past 20 years. Yeah, they were awesome. Yeah. Really good there. Were they doing any kind of like capacity limitations? I know a couple of my carnival sailings over the summer, they were kind of monitoring the amount of people that were going into the piano bar. Was there any of that on your sailing?
2: No, but I think the, the piano bar venue itself was kind of smaller on the Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. so they could easily cut it off. And once it was yeah. full, it was full.
1: Yeah. That, that
2: could and work. they were monitoring that. So if it was full, they wouldn't let other people in.
1: Yeah. Unless sense. people left. Gotcha.
2: Did you do any comedy shows sh-
1: across the hall there at Punchliner?
2: Yeah, it was the same. Wait, it was a smaller venue, so they were very strict on who came in. So if it was full, they would tell you right at the door, it's full. And if no one got up to move, then you just had to come back a different time. Yeah.
1: How were the comedians in sailing? They were good. Mm-hmm. Did you do any of the top deck activities, like the roller coaster or anything?
2: I medically are not able to, but my wife actually did do it. So. Nice. And she enjoyed it. Wow, that's, a, that's brave there. She loves trying new things. Yeah. Even if she's not able to see it, she still awesome. wants to have that experience.
1: Yeah, that's very cool. Now, when you were on it, uh, you might remember this, you might not. Was it one lap or two laps for $15?
2: They opened it. to. It was the first week, they had allowed it to be two laps around.
1: Because mm-hmm. gotcha. when we
2: first got on, that's what they were saying, one lap. And then by the second day, people are saying, oh, it's two laps. Wow. And then when she did it, it was two laps. That's cool.
1: That's good to hear, too. So how were the sea days on board Mardi Gras? Because you had three of them, correct? Yeah. Yeah, how was it as far as, like, crowds and congestion and any kind of... Because Carnival's sailing at, like, 70% capacity, so that's that's close to 4,000 people on Mardi Gras. There was only
2: a few points where it kind of got, like, congested, and that was, like, when it was bingo in the uh, Grand Central or when people actually realized they were selling the... uh, signature charm bracelets in the one jewelry store and they could only get the new charm for the day after 4 Mm p.m. But other than that, people were spread out and just doing their own thing because you have a lot of different pools from summer landing to serenity to the tides pool, the Lido pool, then all of the hot tubs around the the ship. Did you spend any time in the serenity area? We walked through it. No time really checking it out too much you didn't hop in the pool or anything and the summer landing one that because that was like right on the aft of the ship so mm-hmm. you could be there in the pool having a drink and look right over and there's the aft wake of the ship let's talk about the
1: ports of call you went to on this seven night cruise and what we'll do here is give us the port of call give us a highlight then go over to the next one
2: cosmo we did a carnival excursion which we, we went to the um Maranachi uh, band tequila and tacos and shopping. So my wife enjoyed the shopping, and I enjoyed the sampling of the eight tequilas and the margaritas that were included. And then in Costomaya we did another carnival excursion, but we actually were able to swim with the dolphins because carnival helped us get off the ship and get to that excursion first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then Roatan, our group did an excursion that wasn't through Carnival, through Real Deal Roatan, which he's the greatest tour operator in Roatan. So if people ever want to know what to do in Roatan, look up Real Deal Roatan Tours with uh, Johan. Nice. And it was just like an island tour. Well, some of our group did the island, Monkeys and Sloth Park, and then an island tour, and then the others went to. Uh, um, beach club thing for the day.
1: The swimming with the dolphins in Costa Maya, was that actually off the property or was that the dolphins swim right there at the pier?
2: Right there at the pier. Okay. But they let us go because they they had a bubble tour doing the same thing, but they let us get off with them so they could assist us to get to, to the people that was doing the excursion.
1: Okay. You mentioned a bubble tour. Were all the tours bubble tours or... Or there's only certain ones on, um, on your
2: sailing? Only certain ones. Certain ones were bubble, and they are very strict about the bubble tours. So really pay attention to what they offer and what the timeline is, and don't separate from your group because they own the port itself actually gives them so, many, so much time to get back to the ship and check into the security because we actually witnessed the situation in Cozumel. So everyone's taking it very seriously.
1: You mentioned they're taking it seriously. Like if you're caught straying from a bubble tour, could you be disembarked?
2: Yeah, because the port itself checks with the crew's security to see if people actually return back with the bubble group. So they give them about 30 to 45 minutes to get back in that window. And if you're not, then they pretty much ask you to get off the ship and they go through that whole long process of where were you and wow. should we let you back on the ship and all of that stuff. So if you do a bubble excursion, make sure you listen to everything they tell you because they do tell you multiple times. And they ask you, do you understand these rules? So they're very serious about it. So don't, don't think you can test it and get away with it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's good advice there. You make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was disembarkation? That
2: was easy as well. Seamless process. We actually made a friend in the group that we spent some of our sea days in the casino with. So she helped us get off and the three of us took a taxi from Port Canaveral to Orlando.
1: Okay. Port Canaveral is using the new digital, what is it like? it's like a, a face scanning technology, right? So there's no more showing your passport or anything. You just kind of take that picture and it clears you to go? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Nice. That's pretty se- seamless. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, it sounds like you had a had a really good cruise and uh, you know, you mentioned about Rudy's uh Sea Grill going there twice. I went to the very first night of my sailing and I tried all sailing long to get a second reservation and it was so locked up because it was just so good. I wanted to go back and try more food.
2: The casino host. Yeah. Um, we like I said on the sea days, we spent some time in the casino, so I was lucky enough to win some of carnival's money and then our friend that we were with she hit some of the jackpots so the host was like can i give you a spa treatment can i get you a a dinner in the specialty restaurant and they actually offered us a free cruise to take because of what we did in, in the casino so
1: that's awesome yeah so i guess it pays to uh win and lose in the casino. So, yeah, good for you. At least you got a second night in there. I couldn't get one. I want to ask you a couple of things before we uh, stop talking about Mardi Gras here. Um, How was the smoke situation? Because you said you spent a little bit of time in the casino. It was very hit or miss on
2: on my sailing as far as port and starboard. If you pretty much stayed in the non-smoking area, it wasn't an issue. And there's a few spots where you had to cross over. But towards the end of it, they were pretty much shutting down people sitting at the bar just smoking because okay. we were on the week of the first week in september where they changed some of their guidelines with the casino and the bar is not even
1: open in the casino correct
2: it is but i think it's just for like the hosts to go there and, and get drinks
1: gotcha so like we couldn't order a drink there it'd have to be like a, a cocktail server or a crew member or someone like that get drinks for someone else
2: yeah we, we can just sit at the casino bar and just chit chat gotcha then drink or if you smoke smoke nope but if you were at the slots in the non-smoking area or smoking area and you were actively using the casino games then you could you know smoke if you're in that area or drink.
1: In terms of being ADA accessible how does Carnival's Mardi Gras compare to venues on land? I think they
2: did a great job because yeah. they've We're on top of everything, and if they didn't have it readily available, they had someone there to read things to us, so.
1: Looking back, what was the biggest
2: highlight of this cruise for you? For me, it was the success I had in the casino, but if you asked my wife, she would say swimming with the dolphins.
1: Both equally awesome, I have to say.
2: Very cool. Well, what are your final thoughts of Carnival's Mardi Gras? I would recommend for anyone to book on the Carnival Mardi Gras and take the ship, because even the staff, who has been on the ships for years will say, this is not a normal carnival ship. This is almost like a Royal Caribbean ship design or Norwegian. They really stepped outside their comfort zone while designing the ship.
1: Yeah, they definitely broke the mold. I can't wait to see how they've taken um, the things that worked and didn't from Mardi Gras and kind of implement them into celebration into the next one they have coming out in 23. We've been talking with Alfred about his seven-night cruise on Carnival's Mardi Gras out of Port Canaveral down to the Western Caribbean. Good talking to you again, my friend. I uh, can't wait to your next cruise. Actually, when is your next cruise? Do you
2: have one booked yet? You said you had that free one. Yeah, the free one is already booked. So we're back on the Carnival Mardi Gras January 8th. So I might be able to report back to you with higher capacity limits and,
1: you
2: know, six months after them starting back up. Yeah, hopefully uh, kind of a more normalized cruise
1: experience there. Um, Although I have to say 70% is a nice number, not too crowded on there.
2: No, it was great. It hardly was no congestion
1: points anywhere. Well, it was good talking to you, my friend. You have a good night. Yep, thank you, Doug. All
0: right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio, where you listen to your favorite podcast, or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.